this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Dia and Tim Manichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com and digmeoutunion.com. Jay, we have two new union members. Dose. Hit me. Who we got? Let's welcome to the union, Joseph Long. And this person just put in their email address for their name. Okay. And it says... um, Don't give out their email address. Well, it says witchcraft. Okay, we'll just go with that. So I'm just going to say welcome witchcraft. But it's not spelled like witchcraft, like witchcraft. Okay. It's got like extra Y's and E's and it's very Prince-esque. Gotcha. There might be a backward Z, a Z. I like a little mystique. I do too. We don't even know who they are and they've joined. They could be anybody. It could be Stone Gossard. (laughs) it could be, um, you know, I think it's Marilyn Manson. It could it's be Maynard. else to do right now. Yeah. No, we don't want that. Jay, we have a tournament to discuss. Our March Tournament of Champions. We need some tournament music. I do. I play tournament music. Okay, some I, I add some fanfare. I, I have okay. Patreon fanfare, and then I have tournament. Like it's like a thunder. I know it's very dramatic. So we had our March tournament. Twenty-seven albums entered. Only one made it through, and it was a doozy in terms of there were a, a lot of good picks. Yeah, yeah. In this, this particular good, good round. final, very strong. Hmm. So in round one, this is what we had suggested to us by both our patrons via digmeoutpodcast.com or anybody can do it via digmeoutpodcast.com. You just go there, you suggest an album. You don't have to be a patron. You got to be a patron to vote, but you don't have to be a patron, patron to suggest. For example, in our first round, Chris Tansley suggested the thirds, Hell's a Poppin'. Patrick Testa suggested Scrawl's nature film. Johannes Westbull suggested the self-titled album by The Sands. Jordan Neville suggested Sugar Pops, Give Up Your Sister. Vadim Tavor suggested Starflyer 59, Americana. Siam Yusof, I'm I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, suggested Litz, A Place in the Sun. Willie Dillon suggested Jets to Brazil, Orange Rhyming Dictionary. Adam Smith suggested Railway Children's Dream Arcade, and Richard Waterman suggested Dream Theater, Metropolis Part Two, Scenes from a Memory. That doesn't sound like a prog album title. <laughs> no. Definitely two gays. So out of that, Dream Theater and Jets to, the, to Brazil, Jets to Brazil moved on. Round two, it only gets better. Richard Waterman, again, American football self-titled. Adam Smith, the teardrops explode. The teardrop explodes. Everybody wants to shag. Willie Dillon, Alkaline Trios, God damn it. Bill Davison, Psycho Moto Goat, Braille. Vadim Tavers, Inside Out, No Spiritual Surrender. Scott Witt, Paul Gilbert, King of Clubs. By the way, there's a new club in Columbus, Ohio called King of Clubs. I wonder if it's named after that Paul Gilbert album. Isn't there also an Ace of Cups? Yep. You have an Ace of Cups and King of Clubs? Ace of Cups, King of Clubs. Right. Yeah. Different parts of town as well. Hmm. I'm sensing a theme here. Uh, Kyle Bittner suggested Revolvers, Babies, Angry. Joe B. Suggested Rollins Band, Come In and Burn. And Chip Midnight suggested the Outpatients, Anxious Disease. From that round, American Football, and the Rollins Band. So for our third and final round, Richard Waterman suggested various artists. The X-Men Files, the album. Or the X-Files, the album. The X-Men Files. The X-Files. <laughs> I love that movie. The X-Men Files. Remember the X-Men Files, Jay? <laughs> Where it's uh, the X-Men working in an office and they're just filing paper all day. 
I want an office take on the X-Men where it's like, they're just like oh, doing geez. it to the to the camera comments and stuff like that. Uh, that I'm surprised Marvel hasn't tried that yet as a Disney series. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> uh, Adam Smith suggests the Cocteau Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas. Willie Gillen suggests the Killjoys, Give Me Five. Scott Witt suggests the self-titled album by Pride and Glory. Vadim Tabers suggested Only Everything by Juliana Hatfield. Joe B suggested Everything I Touch Run, Runs Wild by Laurie Carson. Kyle Bittner suggested P by P. That's the letter P by the letter P. And Keith Badge suggested Swerve Driver's 99th Dream. And I believe that the outpatient was in this poll as well because there was a mix up in the previous poll, but it did not win. However, we did have a tie in this round. Cocteau Twins, Juliana Hatfield, and Swerve Driver all tied. So that means we go to a final of seven instead of six. Honestly, it wasn't close. So, I, so that's fascinating to me. So we've got a tie in the third round. Then we get to the final. So three of those records go forward. We get to the final. One of those records wins, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Now, a distinction here worth mentioning in the first three rounds, you can vote for as many records as you want. That's true. The final, you can only pick one. Right. So it definitely shows when you only got one vote to cast, uh, things start to separate. When your life is on the line, which yeah. one's it going to be? <laughs> so our final round shook out like this. Dream Theater last. Tied for second last, American Football and Swerve Driver. Shocking. Yeah, I did not see that coming. For, for this audience, for, for our audience, I would have bet on one of these two. I mean, this was a really strong final. Yeah. If you had asked me at the start, I was going to say American Football because it's one of those albums yep, that's like sure. very underground. I've never listened to them. I know that there's a lot of you know, underground respect for that record. So came into second last. Then you that, had, that would have been the, uh, if this was a, a pitchfork poll, that would have won. Oh yeah. But that's just how our, our audience is a little, little cooler than that. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say. <laughs> then at 15%, Rollins band and Cocteau twins tied, uh, which is weird. Uh, those are opposite ends of the radio of the music <laughs> right. spectrum in a lot of ways at 17% jets to Brazil and then blowing the competition out of the water. Juliana Hatfield with 37% only everything takes it. I did not see that coming at all. First of all, we've already done a Juliana Hatfield record. So I didn't expect people to be like, I want more Juliana Hatfield. Yeah. Well, season but one, this was a long time ago. It is. It. Uh, so I looked it up. <laughs> been a minute september 6th 2011 episode Ooh, 34 that was a lifetime ago jay september or yeah september 6 2011 um to give you an idea i went back and listened to that episode i skimmed oh. it oh but at the beginning of the episode first of all uh, we sound like we're on helium because our voices are so high apparently <laughs> we've aged we've we've aged quite a bit in the last 13 years that is weird Second of all, we start out talking about Ben Bernanke and the Fed <laughs> and inflation. Really? Yes. In 2011? Yes. Why? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was trying. I was trying to remember what it was, and I even said, "We're recording this episode like four days before the episode drops, yeah. and uh, this might be irrelevant by the time it comes out." Right. Oh, it's not only irrelevant then, it's irrelevant now. Because <laughs> I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. Well, I don't about. know. Inflation's pretty relevant. I, I mean, still, inflation's, yeah, it's always relevant, but... 2011, okay. So we had talked about Become What You Are, which is credited to the Juliana Hatfield 3, even though really it's just Juliana Hatfield. It's sort of like the Dave Matthews band. It's still just Dave Matthews. He's got people playing with him. But, yeah. you know, Dave writes the songs or any of those situations. But... We're doing the album after that. So that album came out in 1993. We're talking about Only Everything, which is the follow-up that came out in 1995. We talked about that record because in 2011, August, one month before, 
she put out a new record called There's Always Another Girl. And she's been prolific. I don't know if you realize this, but she's put out a record almost every year. And in 2000, she put out two records. And then she took a little break. And then 2004, 2005, uh, 2008, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2017, 18, 19, 19, 2, 19 in 2019, and then 21. I saw her on tour in 2017 for Pussy with the album Pussycat. Okay. Um, she played it, the aforementioned Ace of Cups. And uh, it was a three-piece uh, with her and a bass player and a drummer. And uh, it was a good show. That's all I'm going to say. I had never seen her live before. So that was there a, you go. It was fun to see her live. And I said, I got to stand. Uh, Ace of Cups has a balcony. It's very small, but I got to stand at the front of the balcony and just lean, which is the best possible situation because the floor is even with the stage. So I wouldn't have been able to see her because I'm only like 5'9". And uh, there were tall people there. So being at the balcony was like primo spot. Like I locked into that during the opener and I was like, I ain't leaving this spot. Right. Smart. So have you ever listened to this record? I know you, you talked during the first episode that we did in 2011 that you were familiar with her, yep. but you had not listened to a whole record. And doing that record was the first time in the 11 years, 12, 13 years since we've done that. Have you listened to any other Juliana Hatfield or is this the first time returning to her? Um, I thought we had done a Blake Babies record. Did we not do a Blake Babies record? No, we talked about him during that episode, but we didn't. Um, I've, <laughs> I came in thinking I had listened to this record and some Blake Babies at some point, but a maybe i'm mistaken so if i have it's not clear in my own mind Got but it. i didn't i didn't come out of that and um well maybe i did because i remember i think i've listened to the new record maybe briefly i think i've sampled some stuff here and there and some mm -hmm. things have come up in playlists but uh i don't recall doing like a a deep dive where i came away like loving any particular record Right. And in addition to all those solo records I've mentioned, she also has a crew with the Blake Babies, both before she went solo mm -hmm. and then they reunited and made a record. She's also done duet records with Paul Westerberg. Hmm. Um, so she, and she's she was a member of the Lemonheads for a while. So she has been a consistently busy musician, even though you don't necessarily, you know, hear her touring, you know, constantly or anything like that. Um, she's always making records. Uh, Vadim, who suggested this record, he said, this is peak Juliana Hatfield. Great songs, great production, and the guitars rip. Some comments that we got from the patrons. Andrew O.C. said, Juliana Hatfield is such a treasure. Jeremy Amend, um, he voted for P, which I do think we, we got to get to that album. So, and it's such a weird record where you have um, like, is it like, I think like Johnny Depp is on that record with the buttholes, giving canes to the butthole surfers. And yeah, it's like their project. Yeah. I remember when that came out. Um, I do too. It was. Yeah. Basically you could get away with anything at that point. <laughs> yeah. Labels were, would put anything out. And I think that would have been post when, uh, but all servers had that radio hit right so they were getting getting some leeway too mm -hmm. like, what do you, here's some money what do you want to do with it yeah exactly <laughs> um scott witt said will one of my choices get more than one vote besides my own probably not <laughs> love me some juliana hatfield i really like this album but from my record store days i don't think it did as well as expected don't know if it was because the college rock had gotten so popular or if it was lost since atlantic had become their distributor so this was released on Mammoth, which was an indie, but it was distributed through Atlantic. And I should mention, this was released March 28th, 1995. It was recorded at Fort Apache, which is where a lot of records were made in the 90s. Uh, Colderly and Slade, you've heard those names before. It was also some other work was done in New York City at the Magic Shop and Sear Sound. There are 14 songs on this record, but if you get the, I think there's like a remastered version 
uh, extended version with like three bonus tracks that you can pick up. Um, Juliana Hatfield plays all guitars. She does the vocals. She plays bass on most of the record. She plays piano on about half the record and she plays regular piano and then Wurlitzer piano. She plays Mellotron and something called hand beats, which I'm guessing is just <laughs> clapping. Uh, Josh Freeze plays drums on about half the record. Yeah. Mike Levesque, Levesque, Levesque. Uh, I don't know who that is. He plays drums on the other half. And um, Dean Fisher plays bass on the songs that she does not play. There's also um, a theremin on uh, track four, Dumb Fun, that uh, is played by Walter Sear, who uh, Sear Sound that I earlier mentioned, that was, that's his studio. So apparently they, they needed to go down to his studio and use his theremin mm-hmm. for that song. As you, as you would. <clears throat> yes, exactly. And uh, this was uh, chart. This did okay. Ninety six on the Billboard two hundred, fifty nine on the UK album chart, but definitely not a breakthrough record. The way that maybe some people thought this was going to be a breakthrough record, it did get pretty good reviews when it came out. Seven out of ten on Spin. Um, only as a three out of five on All Music. Hmm. It's interesting. And then um, this was followed in 1998 by Bed, which I remember that coming out and being very disappointed. Um, It was very raw and stripped down. There was no like overdubbing digital processing, like nothing extra was done to it. And it's a very much like a lo-fi, not lo-fi in the sense like, it's not like an early Guided by Voices record, but it was definitely like a complete shift in direction on the next record and again like she just did everything uh, did all the guitars and and stuff herself um some other comments that we got at patreon uh where is the where are comments where did the comments go oh there we go dear lima juliana hatfield gets my boy my vote what a spunky fun album a very enjoyable listen Tara McCook said, this was a great pool of choices, but it's Juliana for me. I love how this record got edgier without losing the essence of her style and approach. Her musicianship sometimes gets swallowed up in the weird gossip around her personal life, which is profoundly unfair, but totally unsurprising. The attention should have stayed on her art, which on this record is particularly outstanding. And who else went with Juliana? I don't know anything about the gossip, so this will just be a music conversation. Well, because she had been in the Lemonheads with Evan Dando, there was all this like dating uh, okay. rumor type stuff. Um, she was also very thin, so there's always like is she anorexic? Because you know mm-hmm. women get treated much differently when they're when they're in the front of the band, sure, than a guy does. Um, and we talked about it on the previous record, but she had some stage fright issues, mm. so. I think that led to her maybe withdrawing after this because this record didn't do well. Her touring, you know, wasn't great in terms of for her mental health. And I think she withdrew a little bit. Um, but she, I mean, when we saw her in 2017, she looked and sounded great. Like she was fully in control of the stage. She actually did a black Sabbath cover, which was cool. Like mm. it was heavy as a three piece, which is pretty cool as well. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember what they did. I want to say they did Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, but I don't think that's it, but they did something slow and heavy, like tritone, like (laughs) that sounds awesome. I have to, I'll have to look up that set list. If it's, if it's online anyway, uh, Let's just get into this record, Jay. We're going back to the Juliana Hatfield well. Tell me one thing you liked about only everything. Well, overall, I think the band sounds great. Uh, I guess I came in expecting to focus on vocals and songwriting. And 
I was pleasantly surprised it just um just how great of a band this is I realize there's a couple of drummers here and she's playing a lot but there's, there's a bass player I don't know it all feels pretty cohesive though as a performance in a in a band uh, obviously a highlight I think of that is her guitar playing it's it, it's really impressive I think there's you know some big fuzzy tones on here that border in their style and maybe even sonically they start to border like a smashing pumpkins hum sound sometimes which i didn't expect uh it even goes as far as sounding shoegazy like the tones get big enough and it gets with her vocal too you know a little dreamy um hands down from heaven is a good example of that the guitar's just getting massive So there's a lot of strong melodies and riffs from the guitars. Uh, what a Life is a good example, Dying Proof. There's these mixes of big kind of beefy chords, but then also some lines in there that make things very melodic uh, guitar lines. Uh, I really love the tone. There's also some parts where the guitars are really the hook. So I think dumb um dumb fauna is a really good example of that there's those buzzy bends to to me or they're the memorable part of the song uh, that and the, the interplay between that and the, the dynamics and the vocal is really to me kind of what makes the hook of that song um and then there was a couple of other surprises you know playing off of i think i'm coming into a you know sort of songwriter vocalist record um, and I'm surprised that there's some stuff here that fits that mold. It works. So I think universal heart is a good example Heartbeat. Um, of piano and vocal driven song, you know, pop song writing works really well, solid chorus. Um, but there's some other stuff, like I mentioned earlier, that kind of steps away from that pop format. Simplicity is beautiful is a good example. Uh, Hand down from heaven is another example I mentioned earlier, which they get into this big, dreamy, atmospheric, fuzzy music with this breathy vocal over top that's almost ethereal or it's just it's it's just a more of a soundscape, I guess. And I guess I would equate it to I mentioned shoegaze, but it's it's kind of like accessible shoegaze. You know, it's it's not as heady and maybe some challenging is what you know you consider a traditional shoegaze song it's still got that pop melodic sensibility to it but there's you know this pushing the boundaries of what that could be sonically uh that i think works really well in those songs and there's some rockers on here too there's just some songs like what a life and okay okay where they just come out swinging. The energy's up. The the tempo's up. They're riff driven. Um, you know, they're guitar driven. There's also you know some just high energy drumming on it that works really well. Um, so there's a, there's a couple songs like that that really again pop out of that you know songwriter vocalist kind of box, and they're just good rock songs. I, I would equate them to maybe like a Verk Assault you know, um, sort of sound. So yeah, there's some, there's some steps, um, outside of maybe what I expected that work really well, that, that it surprised me. And there's some stuff that 
kind of in that box that works well too. So there's a good amount of variety here. I think that's from a songwriting and just overall presentation format um, where she's pushing, she's pushing the boundaries a little bit that and still, you know, having it hold together and work together. Well, so yeah, so for me, it's um, great guitars, great band sound, great production and some left and right turns that, that are pretty fun. What worked for you? Well, I mentioned it in the, in the first episode that we did on her 12 years ago, that this is where I discovered Juliana Hatfield because the, I remember we got the CD single for universal heartbeat. That was the first single that went out to radio. And that I looked it up that actually went to number five on the U S alternative chart and number 84 on the overall U S chart. Um, and number 65 in the UK, but that I heard that song and I was like, this is cool. What is this? Hmm. Cause I wasn't really familiar with her. I'd heard, I think I'd heard spin the bottle and my sister, but I wasn't, that was still kind of like, there was so much going on that I didn't have everything locked down to who everything was. So when this came out, I was like, I'm getting the CD as soon as it comes out. And I did. And then I heard what a life. And I was like, this is my new favorite CD. So I've, I have really loved this album since it came out and it's exactly what you mentioned it is the suite of her vocal with the rough sour guitar that is such a great balance on this record that you get this like you said like a smashing pumpkins-esque veruca salt big guitar big riffs you know like in fleur de lis that like that that sounds like it could be a pumpkins riff Doug, the, the tone, it's fuzzy, it's thick. Totally in my wheelhouse for a guitar tone. And then she comes up with really great lyrics. You know, a heart that um, hurts is a heart that works. It's very simple, but it's a great hook. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of them on this record. So that's, I mean, that's the main thing for me is like her vocal in contrast to how big and nasty a lot of this sounds. I like that you mentioned that the, the, on the back half, it gets a little slower, but it doesn't get less interesting to me. There's a lot of interesting guitar stuff that you mentioned the shoegaze aspect. There was stuff that reminded me more of like the, the early, the first breeders record, which we talked about pod where it's, she stretches a little bit more on the back half of the record, which I think is cool. There's some, mm -hmm. but she still utilizes that big fuzzy guitar. So you get like American indie rock combined with UK shoegaze. So it's an, it's a nice combo. And I just, I I'm always impressed to know that there's a, I mean, there's some tough riffs to play while you're singing. Like mm. if you, if you, the, the hammer-ons that are happening in what a life that like doon, da, doon, da, doon, da, doon, da, imagine trying to sing while you're playing those. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not easy. Yeah. Um, I love those in dumb fun. You mentioned them, those little bends that happen. Very cool. And uh, there's just, there's a lot of little cool guitar parts throughout the record, either with leads or riffs. Um, she covers a lot of ground and it does sound like a band. Like, even though this was, you know, multiple drummers, 
she's playing bass on some songs, which means there's definitely overdubbing happening. Having another bass player also play like it, it sounds like very tight and these guys played together, which they really kind of didn't. I mean, on looking back at become what you are. Yeah. It's a completely different band. It's um, Dean Fisher and Todd Phillips on bass and drums. So mm. n- nobody who was involved in the previous record is on this record. Wow. Even the producer. They went, she went with a different producer for this, which I'm glad because they, they did a great job capture. I mean, those guys worked with like Dinosaur Jr. and Buffalo Tom. Yeah. So they know how to make indie rock sound good, yeah. especially Northeastern New England indie rock. Uh, they, they know how to get the guitar tones right. And I think that that's what is the step up. Like there's a lot of acoustic guitar and, and leaving her vocal out to dry on the previous record. Whereas here paired with such a big noise, it really makes it pop for me. Um, but it doesn't pop in a way that's like overtaking the song. It just, it's just because of the frequency ranges that they're in two different areas that it's so clear what she's doing as opposed to if it was like a you know a pop production where the vocal was jacked up really loud and you couldn't really hear the rest of the band so i would love to hear taylor swift try to pull off a record like this oh my goodness like taylor swift just backed by the national and the national doing like early national where they rocked out like give me that she likes to record with those guys they they those guys have been on like the last three records of hers so rock the fuck out yeah the uh nerd out on the tone here a little bit i think why it works is it's so warm still um so there's like a complimenting of her voice and also it blends with the dynamics of either using an acoustic or a clean guitar or there's even a couple parts in here where they just you just hear this they just cut the amp out and you just hear the guitar strings playing on the you know what i mean there's like something about the tone the warmth the use of fuzz and then the way they meld it with the other stringed instruments and her voice to where it just feels warm and fuzzy and comfortable it doesn't feel like it has a ton of weight behind it but it doesn't feel abrasive i think uh, Mm -hmm. in a way that i think produced by lesser talent could happen where it would suddenly feel like oh wait you're throwing all these like cheesy big guitars in here and it's not it's like clashing with the singer and not working quite right like there's still this warmth to it that compliments her vocal style that yes i agree like it would be really cool to see a contemporary artist like taylor swift take this kind of approach and like try to make a sound similar to this because i think it could work really well because it still feels to me despite how big it is and how weird sometimes the riffs can be or you know they're not they're not all straightforward you know they're pretty Mm -hmm. they can get pretty complex her melodies at times can get complex. You know, she does some stuff where you don't quite know where the rhyme's coming. Um, yeah. You think, you know, and then you try to like, Oh, she's going to go here and she doesn't go there. So there's some like deceptively complex things going on here melodically and uh, vocally guitar and guitar wise. But yeah, there's some special magic there. I think in the tones they picked and how they produced it and how they bring acoustics in and they bring the big guitars in it and all that that works really well. Records over, finally, much too good for me. Guitar murder, be a hero, jump in front of a gun. Get the ice, bad appetite, love to have the blues. Your true love is fucking around, and oh, we did have, oh, we had. 
is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record well i think the when the guitars get big i'm not sure that the vocal consistently delivers so i think when they get into that kind of bigger shoegazy space with the big guitars it it's great I think songs like What a Life still work because I think the guitars are so strong that they just carry it. But when you listen to what's going on vocally on a song like that, or um, maybe Okay, Okay, you know, where it's like not super strong vocal melodies are almost like on those songs, she's almost just following with the guitars. She's playing on guitar vocally. Um. I still like those songs, but it starts to show like maybe the two aren't always working together. Um, and then there's some stuff where uh, Florally is probably the best example for me where it's like not coming together. I like the, I like the idea of the riff in the song, but it sounds demo-y to me and like it's kind of plotting and vocally there's not a ton of compelling stuff going on. Um, then there's this shift to all acoustic on something like live on tomorrow where um the lyrics are super dark but musically it's pretty mm -hmm. um i like the idea of it and as i read the lyrics i was like oh i kind of like where she's going lyrically here but something about it just felt like mm, i don't know like it didn't connect emotionally in the way that I would think it should for lyrics that dark. It was just like, it didn't have that moment where like the pretty and the dark came together and it was like, Oh, okay. Get it. You know, it just kind of stayed flat for me. Um, My darling is another example where it just feels a little meandering. Like there's acoustics and there's big fuzzy guitars, but it's an example where like maybe the songwriting isn't as strong. Um, you Blues, the last track isn't the same for me. It's a little lazy sounding. The vocal's kind of breathy and nondescript. So I think there's just some material here where it's missing either like a killer vocal melody or a killer guitar part. They're kind of just average. Um, so I think that's those songs, they lack an identity. Like I don't quite get, you know, with those handful of tunes, like what is this song trying to do as much as I do on some of the others? So it's like, okay, I get it. Like it's a clear picture to me. Um, it's not, you know, there's a handful of tracks on here where it's not as clear. What didn't work for you? anything there are a couple songs and you mentioned them live on tomorrow my darling are two especially they're under three minutes they don't particularly excite me the way that the other songs when she's rocking out do yeah so then i think about like well could it just be a production issue like what if they were just produced differently like you mentioned with the lyrics of live on tomorrow i feel like some of these songs to me when she goes acoustic could have been taken in almost like an alternative country direction. Yeah. And I wonder if like you added like a pedal steel or, or a distorted yeah. something like, like that, if it just would have added a little something more to those yeah. tracks. So uh, an instrument like that brings yeah. sadness. It's almost yep. like crying or wailing or like sentiment underneath it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm sensing in that song. It's like it's missing something that like brings musically that darkness that's in the lyrics.
And there's a couple songs which are slow and they do well. A song like Bottles and Flowers is fine, but it's five and a half minutes. Yeah. And I feel like it hits the crescendo like twice. And it yeah. probably could have just had the first crescendo and we didn't need the second crescendo. Um, Cause this is a 51 and a half minute record. I mean, it's a CD, it's mid nineties. Yeah. 14 songs. This to me is a classic, like you could trim three songs, get this to 44 minutes and it'd be a great vinyl record. And yeah, you'd have a couple of album tracks, but you have like six or seven really, really strong rockers and, and, big heavy guitar songs that make this a a really good record for um 1995 because i'm i was thinking about this in terms of uh live through this which came out the year before and i'm wondering if like she heard that record and it had an influence on her cranking up the guitars a little bit more. I can't remember when the first Veruca Salt record came out. Was that around this time too? Is it 94, 95? Let's see. Let me double check that. Uh, yeah, 94. Okay. Yeah. So it makes sense. I mean, she's hearing, she's not immune to, you know, what's going on in popular music. So she's hearing the bigger guitar sound of Hole in comparison to the first record project them into onto radio and mtv veruca salt's got a bigger guitar sound they're on mtv you know seethers all over the place and um so it makes sense that she would amp up the guitars i just feel like it left a few songs behind that needed to also get amped up but in a different way yeah it's uh it's a little odd too like universal heartbeat feels a bit out of place really i like well i mean i think it's the piano verses that i love i think is a super cool that electric or roads that she's using in that song mm-hmm. um it's a great idea for her i think and it it's a great it's a well-written song but there's like a that instrument doesn't really appear on the record again and it's almost like so pop it's missing a partner <laughs> like it'd be interesting if there was a little bit maybe a little bit more of that song on the rest of the record so maybe on something like live on tomorrow or you know yeah any you know my darling or something else where it could take on a bit of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what yeah, I'm saying though? About yeah, because that's that's the only one with the Wurlitzer, which is yeah. a cool sound, and it yeah. would be nice if that came back because the rest of the record would, is so guitar heavy. Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of an oddball in that way. I mean, there's piano credited on tracks one, five, seven, fourteen, and Mellotron on twelve. Huh. So, but I feel like those are more for sort of color yeah, rather than standing out. That's what I kind of always, I mean, Universal Heartbeat has quiet verses and yeah. loud choruses. It's a very <laughs> predictable formula. I think it works. And I think it would have been cool to maybe utilize that another time. Um, but yeah, I don't have, you know, like I said, this is my favorite Juliana Hatfield record. I bought it the day it came out. So um I don't have a lot to complain about with this record. I feel like I do have a better appreciation for the production now than I probably, I just knew it rocked, Yeah, yep. but I didn't really have a finger on like, Oh, wh- why is this sound so cool? But now, especially hearing it with like really good headphones, as yep. opposed to my disc man headphones from the from CVS that I bought for $5 yep. <laughs> in 1995. Uh, I can hear a lot more of what's happening. Well, even just, I think time, you know, it's a, Mm -hmm. I think at the time it would have been easy to just, yeah, it sounds like a rock record, but with the amount of music we've listened to since, I think we're able to pick up on the nuance of how they're capturing a rawness um, and a warmth here that makes it feel very real and human. You know, we've listened to a lot of process rock since then too. So 
we've got we know what the other side sounds like so when you hear rock records that sound real human vital like now with so little bit of time and distance they they really resonate i'm curious what her setup was for this record i was checking the um wikipedia to see like sometimes they list like what gear people play but it doesn't say i'd probably have to google do some some googling to uh find that out but when she when i saw her in uh 2017 i want to say see if that picture um looked like a that's not a no what is that uh first act she's playing a first act looks like a um a les paul jr but with but like slightly different okay but i just remember the tone being real heavy like she had she had like a marshall stack <laughs> like it was it was loud which i was not expecting but i i guess i should expect that now because apparently everybody in the new england area plays really loud guitars so i shouldn't i guess i shouldn't be surprised that that's her thing as well so the pictures if you just google 1995 she's playing mostly les paul okay les pauls there's maybe uh there's an sg in one photo yeah i don't think i've ever seen a lecture or another but it looks like vendor stuff yeah makes sense i mean it sounds big and humbuckery now what's interesting is that we mentioned Vrukasal, we mentioned Hole. This is also, you know, the time of no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of Atlantis yeah, Morissette. This didn't do as well as all those records. Right. Even though I thought Universal Heartbeat was a fantastic single, I don't remember what the video is, which I remember the videos for all those other songs. Sure. So it probably wasn't that impactful. Um, but I'm not sure why this didn't do as well as Seether, as doll parts you know what i mean like why well i don't know why universal heartbeat wouldn't hit as well um other than maybe it just maybe it rocks too much in the in the verses yeah i mean uh, i mean i think it works really well as a rock album i think it kind of goes back to like uh the big rock songs there's not like a seether chorus. Uh, there's the seether energy and the seether sounds. And I think we react to them and like them just as much or maybe more in some cases. But it's missing that that little extra lyric slash vocal hook that makes a pop, um, makes a big hit. And I think Universal Heartbeat is kind of there but it also is a little weird and then it's using that Wurlitzer which I love but also is kind of weird in 1995 um, mm-hmm. well yeah so you know I don't think Veruca Salt was using any Wurlitzer <laughs> on their radio hits um, no it's almost like she's there's a it is a typical I think dig me out record right in terms of like these are the I think the albums that we all respond to in our community where it's like they're a little weird you know they're just a little left and right of the exact right formula that radio loves but more hitting our sweet spots of like the guitar work is more interesting than root salt to me yes but the vocal and hooks are maybe at least for their hits isn't quite the same yeah, I mean, Vruxel so, has the has the advantage of the d- two singers, right? You trade harmonies a little bit of that and that power, and you know that even the way it's mixed, like their vocal, I think, is louder than what you hear the vocals on. I mean, the guitars on this record are really loud. You know, it's hitting yeah. the the sweet spot that we love, but like isn't always exactly the formula that you want for radio. So I looked up the uh, videos for Universal Heartbeat, and um. What a life! In what a life, she's playing like a gold top, not gold top, a, a sunburst Les Paul uh, for the video. But both of them are like not dramatically interesting videos. Yeah, I'm watching uh, Universal Heartbeat. 
they're doing like aerobics or something yes and she's both the instructor <laughs> in the class and the woman on video but playing opposite you know versions um so yeah, not, not sure about that concept did you like did you look at the album cover for this album yeah yeah doesn't give you much no i mean i like it artistically, it's nice but but yeah in terms of <laughs> you know does that look like a big hit record uh no no i mean it's not doesn't have i mean again let's go back to rubric assault like there's a it lacks personality intrigue like well that could it could be any genre yeah right you know what i mean yeah also for some reason that font makes me think of like a 90s tv show like it looks like the font for the real world or or my so-called life or something like that yeah which she was on my so-called life so oh wow Uh, yeah she played an she played an angel in like the christmas episode a homeless angel, I think, was the thing. Yes, uh, handwritten fonts were very popular in the nineties. Yes, they were because it, it Blamestone cool. Gossard <laughs> was that him who handwrote all the liner notes. Yeah, yeah. Please don't do that ever, <laughs> anybody. We just want to read who produced and mixed I'm, and stuff. I'm pretty like that. sure that started there. Uh, and then everybody copied it and everything was handwritten after that. So where do you land on this record? Were the album better EP or decent single? Well, I, I'm with you that it, it could use some editing. I don't know that it needs to be 50. It, it, it's not a 50 minute record to me. So I definitely could trim it. I would love to see this at 40 minutes or under. It would be uh, you know, a great vinyl record with a couple of tracks trimmed. I'd even let some of the longer songs be like bottles and flowers be longer. And I'd rather just cut a couple, a couple tunes that said, I'm still going to come in and wear the album. I think the, it's also a bit of a grower for me. I felt the first couple of listens, it was like, you know, into the guitars, but not quite into the songs, but the more I listened to it, I felt like I was able to start to connect to the songs better. So um, I could see that continuing to play out as I spend more time with this record. Uh, so I'm going to go with Worthy Album. You know, I, I could trim either Florida Lee, Live on Tomorrow, My Darling, Are You Blues, pick two of those and drop them. And I think it would be even stronger. Uh, where are you at? Worthy Album. I'm actually surprised. I thought you were going to go with Better EP, but I'm glad to hear that you went with a Worthy Record. Um, yeah, I would trim this down to 10 songs. And I would, you know, turn this into a vinyl record, five on the front, five on the back. And I'd probably like, I'd like to make this two distinct sides. Like I would put all the rockers mm, on the front cool. half of the record and then you flip it over and it's heavy, but it's slow. And it's got a, a very specific vibe to each side of the record. Yeah. The sequencing is a little weird. Yeah. I think, I think Florida Lee is not a good second song. I think live on tomorrow is oddly placed no that flirtily would be like the last song on the first side yeah and i'd have yeah, it, okay okay and dumb fun or okay okay up there with that and then um yeah so i'm gonna go i think thing. i think with your idea too universal heartbeat would probably feel more like a centerpiece to the more chill side of the record you did it that way like it would feel like a good mix of both um but yeah i think some sequencing would 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 help a ton well we need to thank everyone who voted everyone who suggested and thank vadim Tabor for his suggestion of juliana hatfield glad we got to talk about this record uh it's it's interesting to talk about a record by the same artist we talked about um, in season one. This might be the longest stretch between two episodes of the same artist. Hmm. I'll need to double check that. I know we did Ammonia and then Ammonia, but those were closer together. We've done two paw episodes, but those were much closer together. Well, it would have to be. I mean, just based on... uh, This is the most recent episode, and this is episode... 
the first one was episode 35. So you'd have to find something before episode 35. Well, we, what maybe we could find it. another Zimpano record. <laughs> Would you like to do that? Uh, kind of interested in what we said about that. Oh, we did not like it. <laughs> oh, we didn't? No. Or uh, what was it? Wool? We could, no, there's only, there are no more wool. Oh no, I think there is. There's, there's another wool album. We could do another wool album. It's either an album or an EP. You'll have to, I know they had another have to release. suggest that you'll have to win. Yeah, that and I'm trying to remember the really early ones. Fossil, they didn't have yeah. another record. No. Uh, I think we did this band called Failure pretty early on. <laughs> True. Uh, and Swerve Driver actually was in was very early, as Big Wreck was as well. But I don't think we can do well, we And we had a chance of doing another Swerve Driver record. So Right. Swerve Driver's got a lot of coverage here. Yeah. People, people can give a Swerve Driver a little break. <laughs> I thought for sure that was going to win, to be honest with you. I thought that or American football was going to win. What are we going to say? Yes, this is these have awesome (laughs) guitars. (laughs) We've talked Uh, about this before. We would have found something. Have we tripled up? Have we done a band three times? Yeah. Um, I thought we had just done that recently. I know we've done Powderfinger twice. I know we've done. (laughs) Of course we have. Just right. in the grand scheme of things, I love that's one of the bands. That's one of the bands. <laughs> Just, uh, that, that tells you everything you know, need to know about this podcast. Well, we had a Local H re- review episode, and then we had a Local H interview. So I don't know if we count that as, we wouldn't count it the same way. It would have to be an alternate category. We did two My Mother Earth albums, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I guess, of Those course were probably we pretty far apart. Yeah. Uh, we've done... Um, I know there's some other ones. I'm just uh, blanking on them, but I'm, I'm scanning quickly here to see if there's. Well, a... while you do that, I'm gonna let the people at home know. Yep, they up. can, they can, uh, they can be one of the people that suggest a record simply by going to digmeoutpodcast.com. It's unbelievable. You just go there, you fill out a form, you put in the album title, the artist, maybe some notes, and you can and you can send it in. And then our patrons, which you can join at dmo.com or digmeoutunion.com uh dmounion.com digmeoutunion.com uh they that is the place where we vote in polls for not only our monthly album tournaments but also for when our patrons suggest a record we do our polls for that we also occasionally do polls for other things like roundtables depending on what level you're at you can also read the box newsletter there which you can sign up for at our website. It is a weekly newsletter of new releases relevant to the 80s, 90s, and the aughts. Uh, Music, movies, TV shows, uh, documentaries, books, all that kind of stuff. Plus a a release calendar, plus two new reviews. And finally, if you like this podcast and you like what we do and what we've been doing since the previous juliana hatfield episode uh consider give us some positive feedback over at uh apple podcasts any any more did we have any more doubles um i don't think so i mean hmm. we just did switch serve driver that not that long ago right they were pretty far apart but i think these two are farther apart that would have been insane to do the third one that would have been insane it's there crazy. was another double that I thought I saw here and I just lost it. Yeah, I don't know what, what it would be, but I know that we've done. We need to keep track of these things. Maybe we, we should do, have like a Wikipedia or something. Do we do two jellyfish albums? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's there's one. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everyone thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. <laughs>